And being Hispanic, it's like, no, mi casa is tu casa. You know, that's another thing where there was no boundaries. So the idea of boundaries was like, what? Oh, you should see me today. Anybody crosses one dash of my boundaries, I'm like, excuse me, there are boundaries? Like, no, you can't, you know? Because it is, it is a beautiful thing to have boundaries. Boundaries, not protective walls, just boundaries. Boundaries that keep safe. I honor you, you honor me, I can do me, you, you, I can do me, you can do you. So the boundaries of just saying, never again will I walk around with life where I am not creating safety boundaries so that I can have healthy interactions with others and others can have healthy interactions with me. That was Shirley Solis, and this is The Recovery Revolution. It's time for The Recovery Revolution podcast, and it is unlike any recovery podcast you will ever experience. This is next-level recovery transformation featuring the most influential minds in addiction, recovery, sobriety, mindset, and entrepreneurship. We are transforming the stereotypical mundane process of recovery into one of finding your own personal path to empowerment. This podcast will revolutionize the way you look, feel, and talk about recovery. This is The Recovery Revolution. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Recovery Revolution. And today we have my good friend, Shirley Solis, joining us on the show. And Shirley is, oh my God, a powerhouse. She is a mother. She is a peak performance coach. She is an inspirational leader. She is the founder of Live Life the Experience. And this is a three-day event in Miami, Florida, April 12th to the 14th, coming up next month. And if you go to the show notes, all the information about that event will be listed on the website. So for those of you women that are in the Recovery Revolution community, listening to the podcast, a member of the Recovery Revolution community, Shirley is as tough and as resilient as they come. What she has had to face as a woman, as a mother, as a wife is nothing short of a miracle. She is incredible and needs no further introduction. So let's dive into Shirley's episode, but first... A quick message from our sponsors. Are you happy and thriving in your recovery? Do you feel happiness, fulfillment, and joy in your family, business, or personal life? Or do you feel stuck? Do you feel like something's missing? You may not be able to quite put your finger on it, but something is just not right. Now, what if I was to tell you that you might be just a two millimeter shift away from success, from looking at yourself, and looking at the world in a completely different way. My name is Omar Pinto. I'm a life transformation coach and an addiction recovery specialist. And if you go to www.omarpinto.com, this could very well be the life-changing opportunity you've been looking for. So go to the website to get more information about recovery coaching, group coaching, or one-on-one life coaching with me today. It's time to transform your life. Today's episode is brought to you by the RRC, the Recovery Revolution Community. The RRC is our private recovery membership group that features online meetings, online support, accountability, peer-to-peer recovery support, and coaching. The Recovery Revolution is more than just a podcast. It is a support network 
helping thousands of people all over the world. So for more information about the Recovery Revolution podcast or how you can join the RRC, then go to omarpinto.com and get plugged into the Recovery Revolution today. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to show your support for the podcast. And speaking of amazing reviews, this next one is from Sam Wise Gee. Title is Thanks. My son told me about your podcast, and so I listened to two episodes while gardening yesterday on a wonderful sunny day in New Zealand. I love the format and the positivity, your sense of humor, and that you don't interrupt people. You're a good listener, and the people you have on the show are fantastic. I have now subscribed, and you get five stars from me. Thank you for your service and to the recovery community. Thank you so much for this fantastic review, Sam. And for those of you listening, these are the type of reviews that will keep the recovery revolution at the top of the iTunes recovery charts. So if you haven't done so already, make sure to submit your five-star rating and review to iTunes today. Hey, Shirley. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Omar. I'm so excited to be here with you and with your audience. I am super excited to have you. How are you feeling today? I am doing wonderful in sunny South Florida. Love my family, love life, love the people in my life, and it just feels so supported. All right. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So let's dive right in. So first of all, folks, today we have Shirley Solis joining us on the show. Shirley is the founder of Live Life, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. Live Life is a three-day women's experience. Mm-hmm. Experience the freedom of being a woman. This is a live event where you'll learn the tools you need to live your life as a powerful, free, and inspiring woman. Ever since I was a little girl living in Ecuador, I had great dreams to become an astronaut president or a famous singer. Today, I do all of that. I discover and explore new worlds. I influence and bring transformation at all levels, making a large impact everywhere I go. Sound about right, Shirley? Sounds exactly right. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, guys, you're in for a treat. Shirley's a powerhouse. She brings a lot of value to the world. She brings a lot of value to the people that she touches in her life. Um, She's a mother of six with a seventh on the way. None of us that know her know how she does it. Uh, But she's, she's basically a magician. Um, or would you, is, is that too, is that too masculine? What would you, not, not a magician. It would be what? Mm, a unicorn? Magician's good. Yeah. <laughs> unicorn. Magician's good. I'm a magician. I've never been called that before. I like it. I like it. She makes things happen. Huh? How about that? Absolutely. All right. Beautiful. All right. So we're going to, we, we're going to dive right in cause there's a lot of stuff we're going to cover. But the first thing I want to cover is let's get to know Shirley. What does your daily routine look like? Well, that's so awesome. Uh, first of all, my daily routine looks very organized. Um, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I love freedom. I love following my intuition, but I can't be that all time, right? So I do like to create structure within my day. And within that structure, create times where I can just flow because that's part of being a woman in business and having six children and running a family and coaching like I do means that I have to pretty much optimize my time. Every single minute has to be optimized. 
And it means that I might be in my masculine a lot, but in order to stay in my feminine, I have to allow for, for that flow. So for instance, in the morning, my routine will definitely include listening to an audio that's very inspirational, not anything that's educational, more like inspirational, free flowing. Um, I don't call it meditation. I, I love being a woman. I feel like we need to receive women are givers. We give and give and give and give. So one of my main practices in the morning is using, putting some music, wrapping myself with a blanket, like, like a little bundle, like my swaddle. That's actually something I do with my women's event. And I swaddle myself and I just tell God, the universe, I just say, I'm ready to receive, receive love and unconditional love. Put that in me, give, help me overflow so that I can operate from a place of abundance every single day, every minute of today. That's my number one has to happen. Um, drinking water is like, I put the glass of water, the big bottle of water in the nightstand the night before. So that between that and drinking a big bottle of water, as soon as I wake up, it happens. Uh, those are my main two practices. Sometimes I'm able to squeeze in a little journaling in there, you know, just processing whatever I'm working through emotionally. Um, obviously fitness, you know, 20 minutes of some either cardio, love, love jumping on the trampoline. I have a mini trampoline. Love that. I don't always get to do that in the morning, but at the end of the day, it's a must. Um, I just put on my beat headsets, cranking music that's 20 minutes long, like, you know, uh, the best music of the 80s. And then I go <laughs> and I'm just jumping, you know, in my trampoline. I'm like, da, 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 you know, and, and it's wild. So that's my, my overall routine. And then my day in the middle, in between it is very structured. Everything that happens in my life is in my planner. If it doesn't, it's not in my planner. It just doesn't happen. So even if it's write a letter, send an email, it's in my planner. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, so in there, you mentioned, I think you mentioned something about spiritual spirituality in the mix yeah. there, but I, I yeah. try, my second question is primarily and specifically on that topic. Because for many of us, it's that spiritual practice that really grounds us, really connects us. So how do you maintain your spiritual condition? Um, what does your spiritual practice look like? Yeah, so that's a great question. And let me start with the what the before. You know, So I grew up in a Catholic home, and God was this God that would punish me if I did something wrong. <laughs> and I had the same God. Then I, right, yeah. And then I moved into the evangelical Christian God who was a little nicer. This one was my God. You know, he was forgave me and Jesus died and the whole, you know, so I went into that and felt like there was a little more grace there. But even then, because of my own beliefs and because of my own needs and voids, I still made a religion out of that. I still made, and this is a very interesting point. I made God my idol. And what that means is, okay, God, if I do this for you and I, I, I behave this way, then I'm going to have a good life, right? Mm, if I fast and I pray and I go to church. So it really never changed. Like Catholic church, evangelical, like it didn't change. So a, a, a God becomes your idol. God himself, like the God of the universe becomes your idol when you're using God for your own needs. Like let's negotiate here. You right. can go in with tension, but that's what ends up happening. So Something really difficult, something really challenging happened in my life nine years ago. And we'll talk about that because it has to do with addiction. And it was at that point that the pain in my life was so great that I was forced 
to speak to a God, whoever this God was, and say, if you're real, if you're the one I've been serving, knowing, I want you to heal me. I, I need, please take away this pain. And that was the beginning of a, of a genuine, someone actually taught me how to journal and use my journal time to actually hear from God. So like where I ask a question and I get an answer and I know it's not me because it's the answers are way amazing. Like, you know, there be, I'm, I'm a smart woman, but people are like, this is like, how do we save the world kind of answers, you know, and, and the discovery of me. And I got into that practice of just trusting that what I was hearing was something greater than me. And it was, and it has been, it's, it's guided my life ever since. So that's it. It's no longer reading the Bible. I do go to it. I quote it sometimes on and off and it's the foundation of so much of what I do, but I don't preach it. I live it. I live it. And I, and and it's more, Hey God, you're there today. I need you to be a mom for me. I, I need to connect with the feminine part of you. Hey God, today I need you to be a friend. Hey God, can you guide me in this? Like, can, and, and at the bottom of everything, like top, it's you are unconditional love. You are love. I am love. Therefore, help me bring it on. I need to overflow. I need to overflow from your unconditional love. That's it. That's my spiritual practice. Well, what's beautiful about that, it's just basically phrased differently, but I have the same belief systems coming from that same dogma, right? Where there was a lot of, of resistance and, and it felt the same way. I hadn't put it in those terms, but basically that's what we're doing to a certain degree. We're negotiating with God where it's like, okay, so I'm supposed to do all of these things. And then because I do all of these things, then I get these things. Instead of, you know, what inspires me to become the person that I'm supposed to be? What inspires me to take action in this direction? What inspires me to, you know, and, and, and most of the time, once we create this relationship, like we have, like you and I have with God, same kind of relationship where, man, in my darkest hours, it's never like, if you do this for me, I'll do that. It's like, I, I need you. Like, show yeah. me the way. Because there, there's no need to negotiate with God. He lives inside all of us. All you have to do is just reach out. And yeah. you have those dark moments where, like, I am willing to do whatever it takes yeah. to change, to do the right mm -hmm. thing, to do whatever. But it's not like if I get this, if you do this, I get this. It's like, show me what to do, and I will do it. There's no agenda. Well, and yeah, and, and there's no guarantee that if we quote unquote follow God, then, you know, at some point we think that and so naive and believing that totally. life will be perfect. Totally. But it's like the reality is that life will not be perfect. I'm a very positive person, but stuff happens. Okay. It's going to happen. And so therefore it's not God. If I do this, let it go well with you. Um, you know, it's more like, can I just become strong? Can I be love in the midst of everything that's happening? And be strengthened by that greater force that you are, that binds this world together by the creativity that you are, and 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 help me work through this. It boils down to identity, Omar. Who he? The more I know who God is, he, she, it, whatever. Right. The more I know who God is, the more I know who I am. I love and it, and that's it. Like so, it's become Period. a discovering yeah. of like, who are you, God? I don't want to learn from people. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to even read your biography. I want to know you first so that I can interpret your biography. Ooh. And then I, the more I know you, it's like this, the book of Job, you know, it's Old Testament stuff. 
at the beginning, he was the wealthiest man of all the earth. This is a story. Whether we believe it happened or not, we don't know. But the story makes sense. Beginning of beginning of story is was the wealthiest man of all the world. He had a beautiful wife, amazing children, had everything. Satan, the devil, whatever, evil person, goes on to God and says, can I have permission to hurt this child? Take stuff away from him. He only loves you because he has everything. God's like, yeah, okay. He goes, makes him sick, kills the wife. You know, the wife leaves him, kills the kids. The guy loses everything. You know, and in that process, there's a struggle, that human struggle that we go through. Do I really believe in you, God? Like, really? You know, you, you did this to me? And at the end, here's the, here's the kicker for that. It's, at the end, Job says, I had heard of you, but now I know you. So, so many times we hear of a God. But let me tell you, I know thousands, thousands of people, including myself, who for 13 years read the Bible, did all that stuff. And really knowing what I know now, I can tell you I had heard of him, but now I know him. Yes. And the only way to know someone knows God is when, because of who you are, how you're living your life. That's it. And there's experiences, there's experiences that we've experienced in our lives that we come to believe there's only one explanation, is that God stepped in. And it wasn't once and it wasn't twice. Like, I've known there was these moments where I was like, he's, thank you, thank you, yeah. Yeah. thank you, yeah. right? And, and so experiencing that too also allows you to develop that foundation. All right, we got to move on because we could be on, on this topic forever. But, Absolutely. you know, we're, I, I, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. All right. So um, here's the thing. We're going to – I, I want to know more – about your journey. But before we get there, I know you've got this event that's coming up in April. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I've, I've checked, like I've checked out uh, Shirley's uh, page and the video, right? And it looks like a Tony Robbins event for women, right? Lots yeah. of jumping, lots of singing. Everyone's having a great time. Super positive, very empowering. Um, for like this, this episode's gonna go out. Uh, when did we say this one was gonna go out? March what? Uh, second week of March. The second week of March. So this will be. You'll be listening to this the first, uh, the second week of March. So next month, April. What's the dates? April twelfth, thirteen, and fourteen. Three day event Florida. in Miami, Florida. Please, mm-hmm. uh, just just f- for those women that don't know, but you probably already do. The recovery revolution has a 60-40 concentration, 60% women over 40% men in the group. Uh, The ones that are the most active in the group are women. Some of our strongest leaders in the group are women. So I know there's there's very strong women in there, and those of you that are are in Miami or in Florida and, and, and have access to... Shirley, tell us about the event and, you know, what they can expect. Yeah, so... It's interesting that you asked that question. Um, let me give you a little bit of the background of the story, and I'll tell you what the women can expect when they come to the event. And indeed, it is. My goal exactly was to create the women's version of Tony Robbins UPW. It is, it's an aggressive goal, but that's, I cannot give anything less than that. I mean, women deserve that. So nine years ago, I, as I told you, that was a pivotal point in my life. I find out that my husband had had an addiction to pornography and it, 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 what they, we call a sexual addiction. 
So whenever his pain points were not being taken care of, then he'd go to that quietly. You know, that was his go-to. And I had no clue. I felt all of the symptoms of, but not, but I didn't know where the pain, I didn't know what was causing it. It wasn't like drugs or alcohol that I could say, okay, the money's going somewhere. So when I find this out, we had six children already, been married for 16 years. I thought we had, I knew our marriage was not perfect. But I thought it was good. You know, we were speakers. We were leaders in the homeschooling community. And so when I'm down and out and I had a moment where I just, I wanted to die. And that's when my, I had my, my encounter with God. And that's where I, 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 I started coming out of that dark pit and I started, um, I journaled a lot and I started to heal and I learned tools. And the more I journaled, I, I wrote down my key beliefs, my key healing moments, my key tools, the things I was learning. And I said, one day this is going to become a women's event because what it took me two to three years, that transformation time, I became an incredible woman. I came, I I went from someone who didn't value herself, someone who was a total enabler, although I, I was pseudo mature, meaning I didn't look like an enabler. I looked like a confident, strong woman, but I, I was an enabler. Six children, I was a leader, you know, but I realized I had been an enabler. I had a crazy amount of, you know, issues, baggage. Uh, I didn't know how to set boundaries. I didn't respect myself. I didn't love myself. I didn't value myself. And I went from that to someone who in a matter of a few years, shifted her marriage entirely, helped her family get healed, helped her children get restored, healed myself, you know, with the support of people, of course, um, healed our marriage to where today we have the most beautiful relationship, including the the area of intimacy, like 100% healed. My husband today is my best friend. So I changed, I transformed, I began to find this freedom in being a woman. And I said, one day this is going to be a woman's event. And that's what Live Life is. Live Life is that event. It's a three-day experience for women using my skills of neuro-linguistic programming coach. I'm a master coach. And all of my years of coaching women and knowing this is what we are missing. To go from, you know, there's a lot of women empowerment talk. It's like, what do women need? Women who are powerful but are missing the tools to be empowered, what do they need? That's what they get at the event for three days. And of course, we have to add a little partying, you know? You can't have a, a women's event without music and dance and Zumba and belly dancing and Caribbean-style soca. You know, we got it all. So that's what live life is. Okay. I love it. I love it. So then let's let's back up a little bit and let's mm-hmm. unpack your story. Okay. okay. Um, and, and let's talk a little bit about, you know, where it all began. Um, where the journey began is before you got married and, you know, you've got, now you've got six kids, but there was a time before that. So what were you doing before? So there's these moments in our lives where, um, they're very, they're big defining moments. It could have been when you got married. It could have been when you went to college and, and went to high school. So one of my questions is, how has addiction played a role in your life, right? Well, you kind of touched on it. But mm-hmm. how, what can you expand on that as far as like, that was kind of like the overview, but give us the nuts and bolts of what that was like, how you met your husband, what you were doing at the time, when the kids came into play, and, and take us back, take us into that, the rock bottom moment. Well, what I know today about addiction and my own personal experience is that we all have them. <laughs> Whoever thinks they don't have an addiction is in denial. 
we all have tendencies, things that we go to in order to soothe our pain, in order to, um, to be able to cope. And those tendencies are dealt with, they become habits, and then they become addictions. Unfortunately, there's accepted addictions, especially in Latin America. You know, dad was a womanizer and mom didn't put up with it, you know, so they ended up splitting up and I was only like two and a half years old. So grew up without a dad, obviously the void that that leaves on a little girl um, to where my mom had to go completely on the masculine energy side, providing, taking care of, you know, doing two jobs, sometimes three jobs to take care of my brother and I in the foreign country, the United States that takes a toll. So a little girl that grows up like that eventually starts looking for love in the wrong places. So my addiction was men. It was, it was, and not men like that. I want to have sex with. I just wanted a hug. (laughs) I just wanted to be hugged. That was my soothing. And of course, you know, the guys couldn't just get the hug. They had to get a little more. And so at the age of 18, I meet my, my future husband, my, the man who's my husband. Now I get pregnant and we decide to get married and then I lose the baby. So we still get married, but that's how our marriage starts. He comes from the same kind of background. Womanizer dad. Dad had cheated on his wife and his mom forever. So that's his upbringing, right? It's a, it's an, it's the accepted addiction. It's the one that makes the men look manly, manlier. And so it didn't feel right, but that's what it was. And so I had the opposite of the addiction, which is looking for love in the wrong place, which is um, the neediness of it, you know, and, and thus had the other part. So here we are going to get married, you know, start having children. A uh, few years into it, I find out I, I catch them one time with pornography. I get furious, but like a normal young woman, I say, okay, men struggle with this. It broke my heart. He went from being my knight in shining armor to I will never respect them in my life again. That was, that was it. That was the decision I made in my heart. He completed the promise that my mom had told me what happened, which is men are pieces of, mm, they all will break your heart. So now that, that curse became the truth in my life because that's the inheritance I had received mm, about men. Yeah. So now he fulfills that promise. And I, I said, okay, he, you know, this is the addiction, but I, we didn't do anything about it. We just thought it'll go away. He's going to control it. And he would always talk about it as a gorilla that was in a cage. Uh, yeah. Addictions, words will always give away the addiction. Mm. So when he would talk about his addiction, uh, meaning like not using pornography, and we'd have conversations with other people and whatever, you know, he was obviously, he didn't want to hurt me anymore. So he wouldn't do that. Right. Or so I thought. So he would talk about this gorilla that was in a cage. Uh, <clears throat> if there's a gorilla, that means the addiction is still there. <laughs> and it, I don't know about you, but gorillas, they get madder if they're in cages. <laughs> Heck yeah. Like you've seen King Kong, you know, the guy freaking breaks open and he goes up and <laughs> yeah. Like he was always telling me the uh, truth, right? but he wasn't telling me. I was like, oh, okay, every guy struggles with that. Of course, the gorilla should be there. No, no, we don't have to live with addiction. So long story short, six kids into it, uh, you know, my marriage was not what I would want it to be. And one day I'm just like pregnant with my sixth baby. I say, God, I I just, something is wrong in my marriage. You need to fix it. You need to bring out the light, like put light into it. Sure enough, 
find out that Gus, you know, had been going back to the pornography. And, and then that was the moment. That was the defining moment. I broke loose. I became like the B word, you know, times 10. And we found, long story short, we found a place that was an addiction recovery center. And we started learning about addictions. And the one thing they said to me is whatever brought you here is just an excuse for you to heal your heart. So any woman or man who's listening, whose partner is an addiction, and even for you, if you're in addiction, but whatever it is, whatever brought you here, the problem is not the addiction. The problem and what the reason why you're in this situation is for God to heal something in your life, for you to let go of whatever's been holding you back. So my husband's quote unquote addiction, which was the most, the more obvious one, I, mean, I didn't think I had an addiction at that point, was just an excuse for me to have an invitation into healing my life. That was the biggest gift Gus could have given me. Thank God for him and his addiction. I, I think that I thank God every day for that. So if so I'm trying to understand this. So and I get I get that, right? There's yeah. a healing element of this. The addiction itself is a soothing mechanism. I'm using this to soothe myself from something. Correct. So something needs healing. So what was it for him that needed healing? Yeah, for him, it was growing up with a dad who wasn't present, who never communicated emotionally, which is the common trend for men. You know, men weren't taught, the stereotype of men weren't taught to cry, weren't taught like the men don't go in the kitchen, men don't get emotional, men don't talk about their emotions, they never show their weakness. So maybe that worked in society at one point and it was functional, but it is not functional anymore. Men, you know, it gets to a point where you, you burst. Men have gotten to the point where they're like, we just can't handle this anymore. The pressure's too big. We have to process these emotions. We have to learn to go into the EQ that we have, the emotional coefficient. So Gus, you know, was the baby in the family. They used to call him el niño solito, the lonely child. So he grew up as the lonely child, the baby in the family. Parents were always working. Mm. He was a latchkey kid at age five. Um, you know, just didn't feel love and acceptance from mom and dad. And bottom line, his mom grew up. I mean, he grew up with his mom telling him about all the affairs his dad was having. Mm. You know? And so when we get married and I'm not having sex with him because I have my own addiction, because either I'm pregnant or I'm breastfeeding or I'm a, every time he touched me, it reminded me of the abuse I had gone through, sexual abuse. Because memory has, the body has memory. So he touched me in a certain way. I would like jump because muscle memory would say, you've been touched that way before and it didn't feel comfortable. So, so initially it was like the addiction is what brought us together. The sexual addiction was like, yeah, let's go have sex, even though we're not married, whatever, you know. But then once the addiction happens, once, once you're hooked, it's like, poof, the extremes go. He will go to his addiction and I'll go to the avoidance of the sex, which was my, my, my thing, you know? Let me try not to. And mind you, I know you're wondering how we had six kids in the midst of that, but you know. That was the question in my <laughs> mind. I was like, I was, I was just about to say, I go, not just six. You've got a seventh one on the way. How yeah, did you? Yeah, okay. but now it's good. Now this one was this. This was this okay. was this was beautiful. Yeah, semi avoidance. You know, it, it, it just six times. <laughs> it was. It just needed to happen those first six times. 
in the midst of 16 years. And we were open to it. You know, we were, we, we were really wanted children, but, um, or I was a masochist or something, but, um, but yeah, it was. I think what it sounds like to a certain degree is this whole idea of being raised in, Mm -hmm. uh, because I was raised in the same Latino uh, culture, right? Where, um, you really, you don't talk about your feelings. You don't air your yeah. dirty laundry. You know, you keep things close. In other words, you don't air your dirty laundry. You don't talk about the things that happen in your home. Everything that happens within the family is private. And then when you're in the home, you don't talk about it either. Right. So yeah. there's nobody in there. There's no one that's saying, Hey, mijo, so how are you feeling? And, and, you know, your mom and I had a fight the other day, but did it, did it affect you or, you know, are you okay? How are you processing that? So, so yeah. I have no idea how to communicate. So is there a facet of this where you guys had to learn to communicate more effectively between the two of you that ultimately was what made the difference in relieving the need to soothe with all these, with the two different addictions? Absolutely. I, I, first of all, I'll tell you, I actually got a divorce, not like a legal divorce, but I wrote my own divorce decree because it is necessary to absolutely finish off, let go and break off whatever kind of relationship you had in the past. So for me, emotionally, like I needed to actually write a divorce decree, let go of any expectations of whatever that that wedding ring meant to me up to that point. And from there, say, I don't care about you. I'm going to focus on me because I really didn't care about him. I had been so hurt over and over and over and over that by the time I find this out, I was like, that's it. Thank you. I needed a way out. You know, this was my excuse. But we were in this addiction recovery program. So I, I just said, okay, focus on you, take responsibility for you. I start healing. When I start healing, we don't work on the marriage at all. He works on him and I work on me. When you have two people who are working on themselves, the marriage will work. Yes. The family will work. So that's what we did. We never worked on the marriage. We always worked on ourselves and then came together to test the work we were doing on ourselves. Wow. So Yeah. I that's that's we're we're uh half an hour into this interview that should be one of your biggest takeaways from this call is when you're struggling in your relationship and in your marriage working on the marriage is futile because it's a it's it, i'm staring at this white elephant that i don't know what to do with instead of we have got to go into our corners right we've got to do our own work and then we can come back and meet in the middle and see where we're at. And that is oh, so 100% true. It's needed. You need that space. You need to challenge the thoughts that are in your head because he's thinking one thing, you're thinking another thing, and then the communication and what's actually said is completely different, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm afraid that you know I have to kind of sound this way and say this thing. So if I say this, I'm going to hurt her. But then at the same time, how yeah. to get my point across, how are you possibly going to feel safe and secure having a conversation when you've got all this dialogue running on in your head. So you have to go and do yeah. the, the personal healing. We've had to heal from, from the infidelity, which is, you know, for most women, they're like, we can never heal that. Oh, yes, you can. And I hope that you do. I hope that you believe that you can, because we don't have to be victims of our past. Men or women. Now, we had to heal both of us from sexual abuse from childhood, abandonment, rejection, 
suicidal attempts on my side, and then all the pain we cost each other from infidelity, from uh, emotional infidelity on my side, um, other, you know, because I felt so lonely that there were other people that came into my life. So we had to heal that on both sides. We had to heal, you know, disrespect, lack of boundaries, lack of communication, abandonment, emotional abandonment. We had to heal so much stuff. It would have been easier to get divorced, but I am so glad we didn't because staying was harder, but it helped us grow more. And so you realize how much powerful, how powerful you are when in the same situation with the same person, you can create a completely different experience night and day, night and day. Assuming you do the most important thing, which is heal yourself, do the work necessary absolutely. to, to Abs- do the absolutely. healing. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so let's, let's, so tell us, you, you've kind of, as much as you feel comfortable with, but you're talking about the, the sexual abuse that you experienced and the effect it had on you. Um, how much of that can you share with our listeners? You know, what happened and then how you got through it? Sure. Um, I'm an open book and I feel like it's, it's important for more and more people to talk about these things because um, more people can come out and say, oh, wow, I'm not the only one. This didn't just happen to me, you know? And, and most importantly, because I don't have the story of just abuse, I have the story of full recovery and thriving experience in every area of my life. So I am that person that can say, hey, you can do it too, you know? And, and live life to the fullest and then help others transform as a result. So uh, the situations basically in a nutshell was I, was, I matured physically very early and my mom was a single mom here in the United States. And she was a very beautiful young woman. She had me when she was 21 or something. So she never remarried. And there were obviously a lot of men who would want to court her. She never had a boyfriend, but they were men who, who met her. She was a waitress. And they want to court her. They became friends. And of course, they would like, oh, she's got kids. Let's become friends with the kids. So I was like, you know, nine years old when we first her, we met her, you know, one of her friends. And he would be nice and he would say to her, look, I can take food for the kids when you're at work. So he'd come over, he'd bring us food. You know, once we got to trust him, he would bring food and then he would fundle, fundle me and he would hug me and touch me and, and press himself against me. And then um, later on, when we were a little, when I was a little bit older, he would bring, he's like, oh, I'm bringing movies over. We'd pop in the movies and it was pornographic movies, cartoons. And that was my, my first experience, you know? So there was a lot of the touching, a lot of the, the, the verbal language, uh, sexual verbal language. And, and it was very uncomfortable. And uh, like that, there were, I, I guess I attracted it to me because I was looking for that older energetically and emotional. I was looking for that older father figure, but because I was young, pretty, you know, funny, like bubbly personality, there was also the femininity in me that I guess these older men who were right in their mind were attracted to. And so it, it opened doors. And uh, yeah, and so there were like so many of those scenarios where it was like, just, okay, you're an object. Because that's, that's what it becomes. Once that first initial pattern is created and the mind accepts that belief you're an object, it just, it's like, I'm an object. And I just kept operating as the object, even when I was married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, but, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, when I learned about forgiveness, I actually went to that man. I looked for him. He was older, older. I went to his house and I had never talked to him about it. And as a grown woman with six children, I went to his house. He came out 
And I looked at him straight in the eyes and I said, I want you to know that I know what you did to me and what you did to me was wrong. And I paused for a long moment and he did not know what to say. He was old, old. And I said, but I want you to know, I forgive you. I set you free. You don't owe me anything. His face literally distorted right in front of me. And I turned around and I left. The most empowering moment. Well, you know, in my experience, those moments are for us. Forgiving the other one is for mm-hmm. is more for me than it is for them because yeah. it allows me to let go of whatever part of that experience was yeah. being held onto or I I allowed it to to be a part of my story or mm-hmm. to to sit in victimhood. Um, and just to release that and to, to say to the other person, you know, I, I forgive you, which is, is, is more of, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a releasing, it's, it's a letting go. So you walked away from that and what was the most like impactful and, and, and empowering, you know, feeling like you left and it's like, what were you thinking? I, I, what I was thinking is I closed the cycle. Mm. I had a voice. I had a voice. I, I, he was no longer, it was in the child because that happened to the child, Mm -hmm. but the woman now had a voice and she took responsibility to close the cycle. Now, some people are not able to close the cycle in that way with their, with their offenders. In my case, in that particular case, I was many, I didn't, but the goal is to always close the cycle to say it opened this way. I'm going to close it. I'm responsible for closing, for healing that, whatever it takes in any situation. So it was very, very like, okay, it's behind me. So if you were to, if you were to describe your childhood, your family, you know, your dad left at two and a half. It's just you and your brother Mm -hmm. and, and your mom and your mom's working full time and she doesn't remarry. So what were your feelings about, your family at that time and how you were raised and, you know, your belief about family? You know, I actually never thought of us as a family. Mm. I, I, all I felt was lonely. I felt very lonely Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and very disconnected. That's all I felt. I didn't think of us as a family. I know we were, because uh, there's college, but I think the the dysfunction of it didn't allow me to feel like a family. I longed for that mother father figure, you know, together. And then I had never met a healthy family, so there was not any of that. Therefore, I never longed to get married and have children. Interestingly enough, but unconsciously, this is how powerful our unconscious mind is. I must have set the intention at some point, or I must have a great calling in this world because. When I did get married, even for the reasons that I got married, I set out to create the family I never had. Hey, look at it. I've married 25 years, 6.2 children, you know, seven children. I've actually been pregnant 10 times, but I've had three miscarriages. And so seven, I'm very fruitful, um, but, but seven children. And, and I have a beautiful family. What you were talking about and describing earlier where it's family communicates. I mean, we... We have family meetings. We open up. 
we have homeschooled our children. We've traveled with them in spite of our, in spite of our inadequacies, even when we weren't okay in our marriage, we did a great job raising those kids. So it is possible to have a functional family in spite of a dysfunctional marriage and dysfunctional adults. Now I'm not saying do that, but we were very unique because I was so proactive in my parenting. Um, did a lot of mistakes and that's how I got into the coaching world because my main program, Powerful Parenting Academy, was the first program I launched because I know we did a great job with that. So I set out to create the family I never had uh-huh. and to help others now create those families. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. And really, there's no story without suffering. And you know, there is this idea that through struggle comes the learnings. And it's those learnings that we experience that we can then share with the world. We can help people who are just starting out in their marriage, that are just Mm -hmm. starting out thinking about having kids. And, you know, here's all the pitfalls that you can look, you know, that, that that could possibly happen. And the most important thing is to do this, right? And, and then do that. And, and this is, it's no, it's no different than anything else. It's struggling through addiction and then getting the help that you need comes from someone mm-hmm. who's already trudged the road before you and can actually walk you through the process. Absolutely. It's needed. You, we cannot do this alone. We have to heal in community. That's why healing and then teaching this stuff in your families is so important. We didn't heal individually only. We taught all this to our children and we healed together. So important to include our children in the healing process. Well, you know, when I think about your husband and I think about the latchkey kid, El Nino Solito, mm-hmm. it makes sense that an abundant family would be something right. that is either on a conscious level or a subconscious level, right? We could probably never have too many kids. Right. <laughs> That's right. Hmm? I have to tell him that. I'd be like, this is what Omar's saying. <laughs> you see, you're never be alone. Because that's his main thing. He's like, I'm in the bathroom. Would you guys mind? You know, <laughs> he is never alone. <laughs> right, right. But at some point, he was always alone. That's right. That's right. Mm, that's a great point. I and so that. I'm either moving towards pleasure or mm-hmm. I'm avoiding pain. Right. And so right. if I think about the idea of being lonely, one more kid just adds another buffer between me and that loneliness. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm never going to be alone. Ever. <laughs> Grandchildren. Oh my yes. God. We're hoping we can be alone at some point. Yeah. Jesus. No, you're not. <laughs> you know, no, we think we are anyway. No, you're not. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But we love, we love children. We have loved raising our children. And now that we're in this stage where we are healthy, emotionally loving each other, because we do, I love that man. I appreciate him. He is the perfect gift for me. I can look back and say, wow, with all the pain that I received today, pain is even a perception. It's not even a reality. I have gotten to the point that where I've told him, you've never hurt me. You've never hurt me, Gus, because when you get your learnings, you know, because at first it's like, poof, all this pain, 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 pain. Then you face the pain in order to heal it. But if you keep going with the healing, it gets to a point where all of that pain, once you find your beauty from the ashes, 
And I look at what I'm doing today and I'm like, wow, look, I'm able to have this event and help all these women transform and look at all the programs I've created and all the coaching is like, I would have never had these tools. So it's like, thank you for what happened. So there is no longer any pain. It's gone. All that's left is an awesomeness, you know, the experience and the pain is gone because neurologically we can change that. It's all mindset. It's all mindset. You you create new neural pathways. Yes. It's 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 a two millimeter shift, right? Mm -hmm. And so many of us spend, you know, good things and bad things happen to us all the time. Yep. But at some point, bad things, so many bad things happen Mm -hmm. that I start to expect them. Yeah. I start to look for the bad in every situation. Even when it's good. I start minimizing the good so that I don't create expectations or build expectations mm-hmm. because the higher, the better I feel, the harder the drop. So yeah. a lot of times I walk into every situation and I'm looking for the wrinkle in the room. I'm looking for the chipped piece of paint on the wall instead of appreciating yeah. the beautiful environment that I'm in or the beautiful experience because of that I have been carrying this for so long. I'm afraid to feel positive. I'm afraid to feel comfortable. I'm afraid to let go because I'm going to get hurt. Exactly. And what happens is once you pass, you push through that pain, whatever your pain is, whatever cross it is that you bear, and you come to the other side, and then you keep all the learnings, you basically Mm -hmm. come out like a Viking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You basically, like, at this point, it's like you can throw anything at me and I'm ready. Yeah, it's true. But it's in that limbo period of time where I'm just not quite sure what is happening in my life. Yeah. Uncertainty. it's It's the tremendous amount of uncertainty and I'm so afraid to feel good. I'm so afraid to feel good because just around the corner, there's going to be something that the shoe's going to drop, right? The sky is falling. Something, it can't, it can't be this good. It can't be so good. Right. right. Mm. Yeah. But it, but it can. Like eventually, hopefully, you'll realize that it can. And that in the midst of even the things that are quote unquote bad that happen, like my son, as you know, got into a, a motorcycle accident. Thank God he's okay. But in the midst of as difficult as that was and finding out that I'm pregnant again, because that had its challenges, it, it was, there was something beautiful in the chaos of navigating through those emotions mm-hmm. and being supported and feeling fragile. And, and, and it was beautiful in its own way. And I've, I've just learned to find beauty in, in everything, accept exactly where I am, accept myself, love myself, and love others unconditionally as much as possible, especially those in my family. No, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So I want to ask you some questions because now mm-hmm. we've, got a, we've got a good idea of, yep. of who Shirley is, what she's been through, what she's battled through, the adversities in her marriage, and then ultimately this, you know, when we, when we talk about live life, it's yeah. all a culmination of this beautiful life experience. Yes. That's what it is. It would not be available to women if Shirley right. had not battled through the adversities and challenges and come the other side and chose, made the decision that, you know what? Yeah. I'm not staying down ever. Right. It, it's exactly right. Like, I'm not staying down. And sometimes it was just take away the pain. <laughs> 
it was okay. Like it was like, take away the pain, take away the pain. And then it was enough to go, okay, I'm not staying down, you know? Yeah. So whatever it is, just move up. <laughs> like for whatever reason, just keep moving, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. You know, you'll get it. You'll make it. And so, um, as a coach, I hear stories all day from people who say, I can't do this because, or once I achieve this, I'll be happy. They learn and pick up patterns from role models in their life, not realizing that they are now in charge of their own story. So what is the story that you used to tell yourself, your biggest limiting beliefs, and what is it that you believe now? Wow, my biggest limiting belief was that I had to do things alone. Mm. That is a huge one, and it's probably the biggest one for women it, that's huge for women. Cause it's um, you know, it, it fits all the patterns. There's a lot of men who are emotionally absent. Uh, they're disconnected. The woman is disconnected from the marriage. Cause then she focuses on the children. Um, the younger girls who don't have marriages yet and don't have any children. It's, I have to do it alone because I have to show the world that I'm strongest men. So in no matter what her story of womanhood is, my particular one, I don't know what it is for men, by mine and the common, uh, the common thread in women is I have to do it alone. Even though we'll be like, we don't have to do it alone. Bullshit. I want uh, pardon me for that. <laughs> you can say it's, bullshit all you want on this one. Okay, good. Thank you. All right, good. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Because there's no other word for that. It's like, it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You, I want to see your actions. Are you doing it alone? Because if you think you're Wonder Woman, like waking up super early, taking care of the kids, blah, 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 all the time in your masculine energy, making it happen, you're doing it alone. We don't know how to do it in community. We don't know how to do it supportive. In one area we might, but we drop the ball in another one. So at first for me, it was the story of have to do marriage alone. Then it was I have to do parenting alone. I had to give birth alone, even though he was there, but he was emotionally absent. Um, I have to heal alone. And then it became, I have to do business alone. Because once I found my purpose, he wasn't on track. He wasn't on board. So it's like, oh, now I have to build this business alone. So the whole time it was like, I'm doing this alone. And it wasn't until I healed that story and said, it's not him. It's me. I need to be willing to change that story. I'm not alone. I am supported and begin to, it, that was life changing for me. That was life changing. So, so he, usually at, on a, on, a, on a breakthrough moment like that, right, there is, in many cases, an opportunity to take massive action. So once you, once that aha moment presented itself, and you were like, wait a minute, I don't have to do any of this alone. Yeah. So what was right. immediately the action steps you started to take? Oh, my gosh, that was the most incredible experience of my life. So do you know when that breakthrough happened? The night before the beginning of my first event. Mm, wow. That's so I, big. Had, I had created that event on my own pretty much. I mean, yeah, there were people that helped me and supported me or whatever. But I had gotten on that, you know, pretty much alone. Like I, I put an event with 80 women together for three days. Like, you know, some help here and there. But it was like me alone. And the day before the begin, like at that night before, I'm doing all this work and I get triggered because he's sitting down relaxing. And I'm like, here I am again. I'm doing it alone. 
there's all this stuff to do. He's not putting this in the car. He's like, I'm doing it alone. And I come into my office and I start having a nervous breakdown. Long story short, I call a, a therapist on a phone call. And I said, I feel like I'm giving birth alone. And she says, this is your childhood story. She says, your did you have a C your mother has C-section? I said, yes. She says, this is how your mother felt when she gave birth to you. She felt alone. And that is, it's true. Therefore, I inherited that, inherited that. That was in my story. It was my mom's story. And then now it became my story. So powerful, Omar. And she says, you are reliving your mother's, this is your childbirth story. You, you are programmed. You were programmed to do life alone. This is Shirley. You got a chance to give birth to something different now. She says, call your, and as soon as that happened, I'm like, I'm having her on the phone. I'm freaking out. I'm having a panic attack, nervous breakdown. My husband walks in and he sees me freaking out. And he's like, what's wrong? And he literally holds me as, and I'm almost like giving birth position, freaking out on the sofa kind of thing. I got the midwife, quote unquote, spiritual midwife. I call her on one line, coaching me through this. And he's holding my hand like I'm giving birth. And I process through this and I cry and I make a conscious decision that I'm not alone. And I visualize my birth and I realize what happened in where I, I had an, an epiphany moment where I relived my birth. And I remember coming out of the birth canal, Omar, it's the freakest thing. And I saw the doctors and I said, oh my God, there were other people people that helped me give birth, that helped me come to this world, doctors and nurses. And my mom was there. It was a group thing. They wanted me here. They want, they were happy that I was born and I relived it. And the next day I went and did the event one day, one day, two, day three and day three, I tell these women that, and I said, girls, the whole process to getting here was determining I'm not doing it alone. I said, I'm here. I've been welcomed. Like this is my coming out. This is my birthing process. When the event was over, I said, girls, this was my gift to you. I started crying. They started playing the song, This Girl is on Fire. And they all shout, welcome to the world. Oh, dude. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Omar. Oh, Omar. damn. 80 women. Damn. And they lift, they lift me up in the air. I got to send you that picture. They lifted me up in the air in the, like I'm being lifted by all these women up in the air and I'm spread out like this, like arms open straight back, just letting myself go being supported by these 80 women that I had just walked through the process for three days. That was my quote unquote meeting action. It was my gift. Wow. You know, Ah. Uh, Everything I, about your story gives us more clues about those seven kids. <laughs> You're funny. You're it, still like, how did that happen? <laughs> it's, no, but listen to this. Yeah. It's a, this is your childhood birth story. This is your yeah. opportunity to change that story. And I'm constantly looking for opportunities yeah. to change that story. Every yeah, exactly. birth is a new opportunity to change that story. Yep. The only thing exactly. was that God was like, no, you just need to change it into your mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, let's just have one more baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But there it was. Like, what an amazing story of like, I can yeah. totally picture you on the couch, on the phone, bawling, and your husband calling and going, what the fuck? 
Like, yes. oh my yeah. God, like, what can I do? Yeah. And I will tell you something, Shirley. I will tell you something. And, and it's true. We are not the sharpest tools in the shed. Okay. Right. <laughs> when it comes, you know, we, we, food, sex, sleep, right? Netflix, right? right? Uh-huh. That is it. Like if I like, so give me an idea of what your perfect life looks like. Okay. Right. Exactly. Simple. Food, sex, sleep, Netflix. Okay, great. Obviously that's not realistic, but you asked me for my perfect story. We're simple creatures, right? And we're not. And until we self-actualize, until we go next level, we do not run around the house going, she's acting different. Use Mm -hmm. your intuitive powers to figure that shit out now, right? Right. But I have had those moments Mm. where my wife has like, you are, you just, you're not getting it. Right. Oh, gosh. This is how I feel. This is what's going on. You need to do something now. And I can tell you, and I don't know if you've had those moments with your husband, but I know this. Uh I snapped fuck out of it fast like wow uh, like it was like oh i'm listening i am i'm like this ain't happening again you're a good man you're a good man you're a good man you're a good man but you're an evolved man very evolved so what happens to the rest of the men who have no freaking clue that's why i have the event i hear that's why i have the event because women women have to figure this out but we got to figure out our emotions but speak to that because have you had that? Like, for example, your husband's like chilling on the couch while you're running around making things happen, right? Before you have the meltdown. And yeah. his, you know, he's in his own world thinking about his own stuff. And you're in your world thinking about your own stuff. Okay. And then at some point, it's like, look at him just kind of chilling there. How about like, hey, honey, you ever going to help me out here? Huh? I used to do that. <laughs> now I just go, sweetie, <laughs> could you please? I need you. Well, you know, I, I really go into feminine, which is so beautiful. No, First, no. And, and before I even get angry, because now I just say, surely you're playing the victim. You're going to use him as the excuse for your addiction to work. Mm. That's why I told you. We complain that the man doesn't help us. But we love to do it alone because it gives us significance. That's what I'm telling you. Okay, so boom. So th- this is where we got to keep unwrapping because our listeners are lis- our listeners are listening to this, and you have to understand that helplessness is power. We get right. significance from being uh-huh. helpless, from being victims, from being martyrs. Right. Yep. We get significance yep. from all that. And uh-huh. you don't say anything. And then he's like, why are you so mad? Well, I shouldn't have to say anything. And just even saying that is power. But you don't even recognize what it's coming from. I feel insignificant because he's not getting up and saying, honey, my love, I see that you're doing all this work. What can I do to help you? What is it that you need from me? Let me be there for you 100%. And I'm waiting for it, and it ain't happening. So I go the other direction. The bitch. So why? But so when was it? Because I'm 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 confident that this has happened. At some yes. point, it was like I'm yeah, done. Like it was all the time. It was all the time. 
Okay. Yeah, it was like, he's a fault. He's a freaking pa- passive man. He's blah, blah, blah. He's not helping me. Da, 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 da. So how did you guys resolve that? How I, how we, we, I resolved it. I, 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 I took, because I changed the story. So you asked me, what was my story? The stories I had to do it alone. When I changed my story is now I became resourceful to say, how can I not do it at all? It was like, uh, oh, wow. That's even, that's even bigger. That's even better. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm, if I'm the queen, queens are not like cleaning and doing everything. I mean, I'm not saying you don't. I I mean, I like to organize, but I'm like, how can I make this happen? I have a lot of power. You can get a lot more bees with honey, but let me tell you, you won't use the honey if you're a hurt woman because you don't know your power. Let me show you how powerful you are. That man will be the happiest man. You'll figure yourself out. You'll know exactly what you need. You'll be able to transform yourself, your world, your family, everything around you because you will have him and everybody else eating from the palm of your hand because that's how powerful we are. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm just saying we are powerful. So now it's, babe, I, I mean, I literally go into that feminine, this, you know, the stress position where I'm like, I would love for you. And I caress him and I love him. And I tell him how amazing he is. I speak into his identity and I tell him how I need him so much. A man who gets that will do anything for his woman. And I really genuinely believe that. See, before I could never say it because my men's story was their jerks. They do this, you know, and I have to do it alone. I had to change all those stories. It took me years to get to the point where first, I don't have to do it alone. Second, he's happy to rescue me if I know how to ask. And and third, I need to know what I want because otherwise he won't figure it out. Because he's a man. He's wired differently. I'm thinking about a hundred things. He's thinking about one. That's <laughs> Netflix, you're adding to that. It's really just one and it's called sex. And it's not because of an addiction. That is just men, period. Right? So so if I'm smart about it, I'm going to catch more bees with honey. I'm going to ask for my request and I have to be clear about what I need first. That's the thing. We women, we're like, I know I need something. Go to the men so you can fix it. What do you need? I don't know, but fix it. Girl, he cannot figure you out because you don't figure yourself out to begin with. So much of it is so much of it is the story. It is. That's where it all begins. I have Mm -hmm. to do this alone so that Mm -hmm. I can play the martyr, right? So I have an excuse to be a victim, right? And I'm not going to appease him and make him feel special. He doesn't deserve it. These are all just bullshit stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's conditional love. Yes. He doesn't do this for me. I won't do this for him. I don't yeah. want to be vulnerable. I mm. want to put my walls up. Freaking defense mechanisms because we're not emotionally healthy. The moment you become emotionally healthy, you start you stop focusing on the other person and you start realizing how powerful you are. You say, how can I? I've created this messy, crappy family. How can I fix it? How can I change it? I created this. This is a manifestation of me. The last three to five years that I've been living created today. How am I going to live today to create the next three to five years? Yes. You do that, it'll change your life. It will change your life. And I, 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 that's why I'm so passionate and so confident about what I do, Omar, because I know I have the blueprint. I know that I've lived it. I didn't, it's not theory for me. It's like I have changed every single area of my life. And the hardest yes. area of your life is relationships. Yes. And I've, I've, I've done that. I've done that. And I, 
I'm, I'm thrilled and happy. And I can tell you all that are listening that once you change that blueprint, because my mm-hmm. wife does the same thing too. Like she, she knows once we've had those moments, right, where I've snapped out of it, right? Now she uses that feminine energy to talk about. I'm going, oh, that sounds familiar, right? Yeah. So, it, and it's like, babe, you know, can you, you know, I, the, the car's out of gas. Can you get, can you fill the gas up for me, right? And stuff, whatever, right? Babe, right. I left the computer in the car. Can you go get it, please? That kind of stuff, right? And so, and I'm like halfway yeah. through the sentence. I'm already like, I'm on, yeah. I'm, I'm on my way, right? And it's, but once I get the story out of my head, oh my God, what is it now? And she's just constantly yeah. asking me to do shit and like, what am I, some kind of slave and this and this and that. Uh-huh. We, as soon as you are both able to remove the story, the old story, put in new stories, yeah. right? And then connect with your own strength, power, healing, then the true message, the communication that's actually trying to happen actually penetrates and then it becomes this kind of like sort of like effortless effort that you know yeah it just flows it just flows it flows flows there's let me let me tell you one of the biggest stories in our relationship was i'm not your enemy gus it was like i'm gonna think the best of you Think the best of me. So we give each other the benefit of the doubt when you're like, oh, he's such a jerk. He's not doing. Okay, no, 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 no. That's my story. Okay. If I think the best of him, he might be tired. He might not know. He might not have seen me in need. I haven't asked. Like best case scenario, think the best of your partner. Because if you don't think the best of him, that speaks volumes of you because you're an idiot for marrying him or her. So that's it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, That is... That's strong. That's strong. Ladies, uh-huh. if you're in Florida, I'd suggest, you know, it's going to be on the show notes, information for the event. You might want to consider going. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So this is one of my, I, this is why I love asking these questions because immediately yeah, it sparks the, 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 you know, the most important thing that we can do for ourselves is rewrite those stories. But yeah. there's also that moment. I love this one because this is my Tony Robbins question. Right. Okay. The burn the boats. There's that moment in our lives where we said, not one more day, not one more second, not one more hour, not one more minute. I will not tolerate this in my uh-huh. life any longer. I'm going to to take the islands. I got to burn the boats. What was that pivotal moment in your life when you turned it all around? When you drew the line in the sand? Mm, it's interesting. I've had. I've had so many of those, but I think the very first one was when I read the book Boundaries. Mm. And and it was like, this is not happening to me ever again. <laughs> you know, whatever it was, it was like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not ever going to be disrespected. I'm not ever going to, you know. So that was definitely a burning the boats moment. For me, it's been more like burning a bunch of canoes. You know, <laughs> it, it's been more like that. It, it, Every single thing was like, never again, never again, never again. And taking full responsibility for the lessons in that experience, as negative as they could have been, and saying, how can I create a new outcome? Because I created this mess, even though I might feel like the victim, Mm. but I created it. So how can I rewrite it so that it never again, whether it was 
a business experience, a client I didn't like uh, in my marriage or in my parenting, anywhere. It was, ah, that was yucky. It was, it was ugly. I didn't like it. How can I create something new? What was in me that created this? How can I recreate that? How can I rewire that so that I can create something different? A bunch of canoes burned. <laughs> Any one particular canoe come to mind? Well, the one, the one about reading the, uh, the book Boundaries was definitely one. Um, but there was something it, about it, right? Like I read it and it created some sort of uh, a thought. Yeah, it, like, was, it was the thought of... Where, I am I, not, where, where was I not creating boundaries? Yeah, right. It was in all areas of my life, oh. like where he would run over my time. He would. Yeah, it was everything. I didn't know about boundaries. Okay. Every, every area. Disrupts, sexual abuse totally runs over your boundaries. Mm. So any person that has gone through sexual abuse has no boundaries. Mm. They have no boundaries towards others. They may not necessarily have boundaries. Anybody can cross over their boundaries. So. And being Hispanic, it's like, no, mi casa es tu casa. You know, that's another thing where there was no boundaries. It's mm. like, you know, you, you, we're all one. Way. So the idea of boundaries was like, what? Oh, you should see me today. Anybody crosses one dash of my boundaries? I'm like, excuse me, there are boundaries? Like, no, you can't, you know, because it is, it is a beautiful thing to have boundaries. Boundaries, not protective walls, just boundaries. Boundaries that keep safe. I honor you. You honor me. I can do me. You can, you, I can do me. You can do you. So the boundaries of just saying never again will I walk around with life where I am not creating safety boundaries so that I can have healthy interactions with others and others can have healthy interactions with me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's so kind of like basic once you get into personal development about effective communication, boundaries, recognizing the stories, rewriting those stories, right? Uh, identifying the emotions created by those stories, right? And it's just, after a while, it's all programming. And once you understand it, right, then it becomes a lot easier as you go along. Ooh, this is happening again. And we adjust, we adjust quickly. So, Tell us about an aha moment in your life where you realized you were now moving in the right direction. Um, oh, talking about boundaries, I'll piggyback off that. So one day, right around that time, I'm sitting down. This was eight years ago, probably. I'm sitting, I sit on the bed to talk to Gus. I look him over. I start talking to him like something important. He's in his computer in the laptop in the bed, right? So he's on his side. I'm on my side. And he's in his laptop and I say, excuse me, can I talk to you? And he goes, yes. He keeps looking at his computer. Doesn't, you know, stare at me, doesn't look at me, doesn't pause, doesn't make, make me feel present, important. He never does this now, mind you. I mean, this was a long time ago. And I say, I, I'm talking. And then there's a moment that just goes, aha, like this is where you didn't set a boundary. You're not being honored. You're not being valued. You're not being respected. He's not earning your time. He's not even looking at you. That's how worthless piece of shit you are. That's what you've created. Yeah. You're not even worth looking at, Shirley. Can you imagine? And I said, uh-uh. <laughs> so I said, I stopped what I was saying to him. And I said, excuse me. Um, I realized that you're busy. And I value myself now. And I deserve to be looked at. So whenever you're ready to look at me when I have a conversation, I'll come back. And I just walked away like nothing, like no anchors, no triggers. No, it was just, 
I'm not doing that again. So aha moment, I walked away and there was like a grin on my, in my, you know, my face where I was like, I'm so proud of you. Yes. You realize you deserve to be looked at when someone talks to you, especially the men that you've been a mother to five, six children. And valued. And valued. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. When I have value, when I have worth, then I want to be seen. Absolutely. I have, I have, I want to be seen. I deserve to be seen today. Today, that man, he's like all eyes on me. It's amazing. He's like, sweetie, what do you need? You know, full body. He turns his full body to face me. I know how to grab his attention. I know other stuff I can grab, but don't say go into that. But it's like, we're just all about like, Free. You are so valuable and he's, I'm so valuable to him. So it's totally changed. But yeah, that was an aha moment. There's freedom in there. There's a lot of freedom yeah. in, in the marriage now. A lot of empowerment. A lot yes. Of empowerment. Yes. All right. Do you have a favorite book that you would recommend to our listeners? Wow. Yeah. I, um, I'm going to tell you too, if you don't mind. So a, not a fictional book. I actually like fiction and Uncle Tom's Cabin. Okay. I know that's random out of nowhere, but Very Uncle random. Tom's Cabin phenomenal classic book and uh, a fictional book. I like the law of success by mm. Napoleon Hill. It's a 600 page book. Uh, it's to me, it's the the Bible of success. It is something that we have to read and master. I'm a bookworm. I, I own over 5,000 books. Okay. So my library has is walls full. I have to take pictures and send them to you. I, I literally have two wow. walls from floor to ceiling of every subject, history, chronological order. Remember, I have homeschooled for 18 years. So I've, I've, I have every classic and biography you can imagine. Uh, literature, I mean, I, I have it all, science, et, et cetera. So, and personal development, health, every, every area I have. So, so definitely um, The Law of Success, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill is also phenomenal. And um, A Return to Love by Marion Williamson mm, is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful book, too. And I would say those, those are really... Those are, those are fabulous. I've read uh, Winning the Devil, yeah. Napoleon Hill. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've read both of his books. The only one missing here is The Law of Success. So oh, awesome. I'm adding and, that And one. for women, for, for women, uh, women who run with the wolves. Women wow. run with the wolves. It's another like 500 page book. It's not the book you read in one sitting. It's a book you read over a period of one to two years because it's fables. Like it's a woman that stories studies folkloric stories from countries and nations and cultures. And then she gives you the perspective of the feminine hero, heroine. What, what's it? Heroine. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in each story. So how does it assimilate to our emotional intelligence from the folkloric story like Cinderella? Like, what does that have to do with women? So it's fascinating. Women who run the wolves. Love it. Love it. Okay. What are your three most powerful I am statements? I am powerfully feminine. I am love. I am endless. Like there is no end to me. She is a powerful woman. She is something else. She's a firecracker, this one. 
I am a firecracker. I am a force for good. Yes, I am a catalyst. Now I am the voice. Sorry. I am the voice. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Robbins. Face. I know. Yeah. I know. I'm just. I <laughs> we are. We are. I can't help myself. All right. Um, what is your personal success formula or blueprint for success? Uh, ooh, um, okay. I have several because I have like blueprints for every area of my life. And as a woman, a blueprint for human beings, it's live both worlds, like live the extreme of everything. Mm. So it's like, should I, I trust everyone and I trust no one. You have to trust everyone, but trust no one at the same time. I have to take full on risks and yet take no risks. You have to have the wisdom. It's like wisdom is what's going to show you. It's not one or the other. It's wisdom. You need wisdom, wisdom in your life to know how to operate. But I love the extremes. I love the extremes of life. You know, it's like invest in yourself, you know, like spend money and yet save every dime you have. Like, so the extremes are beautiful. It's not one or the other. It's the wisdom to know when to apply them. It's the uh, serenity prayer. Mm, there you go. Yeah. Love it. Love it. To know the difference. Mm-hmm. What is the best advice you have ever received? Mm. Practically speaking, probably the, the journaling and learning to hear the voice of God. Ooh. Knowing that I'm loved that I am loved by a personal God and that journaling time that makes me feel, it helped me to feel unique. It gave me identity Uh, as advice, you know, that's call it advice, call it mentorship. Yeah, for sure. Identity is everything. It's like your, I am. So if our listeners want to reach out to you, get in touch with you, find out more about you. What's the best way for them to find you, you know, connect with you? Absolutely. You know, I love Instagram. So my handle there is the T-H-E, the Shirley Solis. Uh, Facebook, same thing, the Shirley Solis. They just, you just have to Google Shirley Solis. You'll find me in pretty much every platform. My website, ShirleySolis.com. One of the things that Going back to that, you know, what's the best advice you've been given? There was a man who was the editor for the Miami Herald, who's the it's the largest magazine here in the United in Miami, very well known. And he was the publisher, I mean, like the guy in charge of the whole thing. Seventy some year old man, very well known in Florida, huge, you know, foundations and nonprofits and not what. And he said to me, Shirley, I've never turned down a re- a request for an interview. He says, I've given everyone as popular. I mean, this man is well-known. He says, I've never turned down anyone. And that, I took notes of that. And I said, I love that. I never, I want to be as accessible as I can to people. I don't want it to be where I'm so wealthy and so whatever that people can't reach me. I want to be available. So I am available. Like you will, you want to know me, you will find me wherever you go. And I will answer your questions. I will connect with you because part of what this world needs is for every person to know I don't care if you spend any dime with me. I want you to know how valuable you are. Mm. I want you to know how special you are. I want you to know that if I'm the only person in the world that will tell you, you matter. You matter and you are worth it. That's it. And so I am committed to that. But yeah, social media, for sure. Email, like you just, if you want to find me, you'll find me. <laughs> and once, once, once you find me, I hope you never, you know, we, we continue to be friends. 
<laughs> we continue to be friends. Yeah. I love it. Well, we are going to continue to be friends. I hope so. I hope so. You know too much now. <laughs> so do a few thousand other people now. Yeah, exactly. All right. Do you have any parting piece? What is one parting piece of wisdom you would like to share with our listeners? Wow. Just listen. Um, Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you want to be in the world. Be the change you want to see in the world. It, it's so true. It is so true. And for the men listening, I want to say to you guys, I want to say women have been very hurt by women and by men. And there's a huge movement going around now of women's empowerment. But within that empowerment, there's a lot of anger because there's a lot of pain. Please take responsibility and just heal your life so that you can help the women in your lives heal. For the women, I will say, Women, rah, rah for women's empowerment. But we can't heal ourselves and leave the man behind. Let's become the kind of women that is not all about us and boss moms and, and boss women and badass women. It's like, freak, become feminine. Don't be scared of your femininity. Become, there's a t-shirt Gus gave me and he thought in a good way that he was giving it to me because of, you know, whole women. And it said strong women, strong, strong women intimidate weak men. And, you know, he, he bought it a gun show. He was like, look, surely I bought you this, you know, <laughs> but he didn't even realize he had fallen into that trap. And I said, that, sh- that shirt made me sad. It's not strong women intimidate weak men. If we believe there's any weak men out there, our belief system is wrong. There are no weak men. There are just hurt men and hurt women. There's nobody that's weak. Everybody is empowered with the potential to change. So strong women support men, period. We lift up men. We nurture them. We love them. We understand them. We stop trying to make them come into our world and think like women. We cross over and we understand them. If what I'm telling you is foreign, you need to be at my event. Like you need to follow me because, yeah, I'm serious. Like this is about restoring the genders. We need to stop hurting each other. You're going to have, you're going to be raising boys. You're going to be raising girls. We need to create restoration in our world. And we can't do it at the expense of the men in our world. They need us. They need what we have. They need the joy that we bring to the world. That's it. Come to my event. <laughs> like, boom, mic drop. Mic drop. I was just <laughs> thinking that she stole it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry, sorry. yeah, I was on the, on the edge of my seat. I'm like, she's got me. I am right there. Oh, drop the mic, yeah. walks off the stage. Bam. And we are going to close with that powerful powerful woman um with an incredible story thank you shirley so much for joining us thank you omar thank you to the audience you guys your audience is is my audience my audience is your audience we are so like-minded um i honor you i respect you incredibly in the short time that we've known each other i am so blessed to have you in my life you guys are led by an incredible leader this man is humble he has a heart he is uh, so full of integrity. You, you really need to follow what he's saying. If he says, stand on your head, he, he, he's willing to do 
and he's doing what he's asking you to do. He speaks and he walks the talk and he's gotten to a place in his life where he's fully healed, fully transformed. And wherever you are, you want transformation, follow this man because he will, he will help you have your breakthrough. Thank you, Omar. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. (sighs) All of that is so true. (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) So So humble too. Did I say humble? I did. You did. Jesus. Hey, Shirley, I can only say it takes one to know one. Oh, thank you. Love you, man. You have the exact, you have the exact same power and fervor and desire to create such a massive movement of empowerment uh, for not just women, but for men as well. But more importantly, you create that avenue or that gap that needs filling in women's personal development. And I am right behind you 100%. Ah! thank you thank you so much tony robbins here we come yes (laughs) that's right all right so so we've now reached the end of our show thanks for joining us and as we say here in costa rica pura vida pura vida (laughs) thank you for joining us today on the recovery revolution podcast for more information about the podcast to access the show notes join us in the recovery revolution or to learn about one-on-one coaching with me then go to www.omarpinto.com make sure to check out the website or schedule a free consultation with me today it's time to join the recovery revolution